Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Directing traffic from the base of the ruck, it's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Rugby Run on SCNZ. Show and the go from Flula's Holmes in the middle. Holmes looking for support, taking on. 
a short New Zealand work at the short side. Numbers for Murray in the corner. Crystal Murray impact off the bench. The Derenators go boom. It's to the middle for England this time. Oh, look so quickly into their work. Just funneled straight back to Cocaine. Charging, charging. Cocaine on for a hat-trick. Cocaine puts England back in front with her third try of the final. Abby Dow, superb. A prop coming across and then huge collision with Kennedy Simon. So yeah, initial point of contact, as you said, yep. is on the shoulder and then it rides up. Yeah, so yellow card to 20 bucks. Yep. Dement, Fitzpatrick again stands the kick. This one might sit up for Stacey Froehler. Just short. Lizzie Ian and crashes over. And New Zealand go back in front with nine minutes to play. I think you've got to go the line out. It's been looking unstoppable so far from England. I mean, you could take the three points, try and go for ET extra time, but I think they got the muscle to do it. It's on New Zealand's side. England couldn't control it. And in your life, have you ever seen anything like it? Yes, a very good afternoon and welcome in in a historic day, a wonderful day, a day of nationalism. Congratulations to the Black Ferns getting up and beating England 34-31 to win their sixth Women's World Cup title. 42,000 people at Eden Park. I've got to say congratulations to Ricky Swinnell, a wonderful call there on an historic moment, a game-changing game for women's rugby. Just a wonderful advertisement of how good this game is, how good this game is going to be. I didn't think that perhaps the hype and the drama could be replicated from last week's semi-final against the French, but it exceeded it. It went beyond. Congratulations also to England. They have set the standard over the last three years. 30 games unbeaten. And then they lose another World Cup final to the Black Ferns. Love you to get on the phone. Tell us how you're feeling. Tell us your thoughts on the game. 0800 150 811. You can text your thoughts here on 8833. Joining me in studio, a man who knows all about the big stage, knows all about playing in World Cup finals. He played 79 tests for the All Blacks, Ian Jones. Good afternoon, Ian. Yeah, good afternoon, Water. Good afternoon, listeners. Congratulations to the ladies, the Black Ferns, everyone involved. Uh, with the Black Ferns squad, the management, but also to the crowd that turned up, the 45,000 people. It was a sea of black. What an incredible atmosphere. It was like being at a rock concert. Um, and they really did. Whilst the girls performed out in the field for the 80 minutes, it was a crowd that absolutely pushed them across the line and kept inspiring them. It was wonderful, wonderful theatre. 
and we are so so very proud of what they've done. Well, I think what made the game so remarkable is just the ebbs and flows. Just when you think one team's got the ascendancy and the result's going to go the way of England, New Zealand suddenly jump back in front. Everybody's got their emotions up. Everybody's believing. England strike back again. Your heads drop. Your heart sinks. And you're sitting there. And by the end of it, you're a nervous wreck. I'd imagine that maybe not today, but tomorrow there's going to be a lot of people around the country with adrenaline fatigue. Well, there's a classic little Westley coming, blowing down Eden Park, so the girls, the Black Ferns are playing into it. In the first half, they had the belief to keep the ball in hand. They were pinned down territory-wise a lot uh, in their own half, and it was very hard to clear that line. England capitalised, got the tries that you saw, but also had this belief, and we, we need to touch, it's all about the girls, right, the players out there, but also we need to touch a little bit about the coaching staff. I knew Wayne Smith would have something up his sleeve at halftime, brings them together, he would have articulated three points that he needed in that second 40. And we saw a little bit better kicking game, a long kicking game, Kendra Cox says in particular in that second half. It just kind of broke up the game, got us the territory we needed, but they believed what they believed in, what they were doing. They stayed true to what they are doing right to the very bitter end where we had the opportunity to kick for a line-out, restart. No, quick tap and let's go. Let's play with the belief uh, that they've installed over the last four or five months. But, man, what, a, what an incredible game from the Haka right to the very end, that last uh, line-out in the last 80th minute. The, the, whole, the whole occasion lived up to um, what a Rugby World Cup final should be. Yeah, and two early tries to England. Everybody's suddenly thinking, going, oh, no, oh, no. We haven't been able to bounce back from the emotion a week ago. We haven't got the experience. We haven't had to deal with that. And then they maintain their composure. Key moment, Lydia Thompson picking up the red card for England, suddenly 15 on 14. We get a bit of a sniff, and then we started to get the belief. And as you mentioned, I do want to say this, without doubt, in my opinion, Wayne Smith, the best rugby coach in the world, they call him the professor for the reason. And I think when he left that all-black environment and with Hanson back in 2018, I think we then started to see a little bit of a decline in the all-black. So well done to Wayne Smith. Um, fingers crossed that somehow... He can be retained in that position and he can be continue to be involved in women's rugby going forward because massive, massive difference to that team. Yeah, absolutely. And with the greatest respect to Wayne Smith, but Graham Henry as well, the whole coaching staff, he, he's done a wonderful job and set a platform. There'll be someone else that will come over and take over from Wayne Smith. That's nothing derogatory about Wayne Smith. He's done an amazing job, but there will be other people who step up. And, and so he's given... A platform. It's up to someone else now to take it to the next step. But the great thing about Wayne Smith, he, he installs so much belief in you as a player. He just lets you do your job. Not the job of the other 14 players out there. And funny, Wado, when you get to be coached by a guy like Wayne Smith, when you play at the very elite level, like the Black Ferns, like the All Blacks, the game can come a little bit selfish in a way that you actually only have to, and this is what Wayne Smith wants you to do, only worry about your job you got to roll out there. The other 14 players around you have their roll out there. And collectively, boy, you can become unstoppable. It's a moment when you don't exactly know what you have uh, been asked to deliver, that you are maybe questioning how, how someone else is performing or trying to cover for someone else, so therefore do two roles. That's when he becomes unstuck. And Wayne Smith just allows you to do your job, gives you all the tools you need to do your job, the belief to do your job, and, man, when when a player when a coach sorry believes in you, you can do extraordinary things as a player. 
0800-150-811 is the number. 0800-851 is the... Sorry. 0800-150-811 is the number. You can text us here on 8833. Uh, look, as I said last week, it's really easy when the All Blacks lose and where you can jump up and down and have some pretty strong opinion and discussion around whether Ian Foster should be sacked or not. But this really is a monumental moment, a, a, a game-changing moment for women's rugby. And I'd love people out there to jump on and celebrate this, um, enjoy the moment for what it is, because it was special. Eden Park made it special. The players made it special. Sixth Women's World Cup. But the game has evolved, it's moved on, I think making this one arguably the best of those six, even though they somehow managed to find a way of winning, uh, what was it, four, five years ago when they did play in Belfast. 0800 150 811 is the number. Yeah, a lot of people jump on to those phone lines or the texts as well and tell us your story about your journey to Eden Park, how you enjoyed that experience because there's 45,000 people there but plenty around the country couldn't make it to Eden Park, of course. They had to watch it on TV. So paint the picture for us because the girls absolutely performed out there. But boy, that crowd, that atmosphere at Eden Park, home advantage is, in my opinion, what a, a real thing in all sports. Oh, look, absolutely. A real You've thing. only got to see Liverpool at Anfield. You've only got to see the effect Eden Park. All Blacks haven't lost there since 94. So that crowd absolutely played yeah, their are, role. You are the 16th man and the great stadiums around the world, the great... Um, sports teams with a rich history will always ask for the crowd to lift them. And we've seen that so many times. That's why it makes it so difficult sometimes for sides to go away and win. Even though you might go away as the clear-cut favourite, you've got to do it sometimes in a very, very hostile environment. You only look at places, I think it's Munster, where they go dead quiet when they kick penalties. Now, we're not used to that. How um, off-putting is that suddenly? Normally expecting to be jeered and people trying to put you off, they go dead quiet. And they're those little subtleties. They're those idiosyncrasies which make it difficult. And I think combined with the crowd, the red card, Wayne Smith, the improvement, the belief, we found that elusive 0.1% performance, which sometimes can be the difference between good and great. All sport, Watto, is theatre. All sport is emotion. You cannot take emotion out of it. How you handle that emotion, use it uh, as a tool and, and thrive on that emotion, or do you get tense and tight and nervous and actually don't exceed or play to your expectations. So the emotion around Eden Park last night, the emotion for the last, what, three or four weeks of this tournament has just built and built and built. The ladies got built on that emotion. They used that emotion and they use it in the right positive way. So thank you once more to the Black Ferns. 0800 is the number. Hi, Graham. Oh, g'day, Mark. G'day, Ian. How are you guys? Yeah, great, Graham. Oh, yeah, fantastic one. Yeah, I, 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 it was one of the great games. I mean... You know, it's certainly the best women's game ever seen. I don't mean that in a patronising way. I mean, it, last week was brilliant, but that that just went to a new level. And I, it was two great teams out there. You know, the English. I heard some people say, "Oh, the English were boring and played in the forwards," but they played to their strength. They had a steam, a Sherman tank division there in that English forward pack. And and I thought, you know, how are they going to stop them? But but Wayne Smith and his team had devised a plan. You know, to to that we have to win it. Well, you know, you know, we're not going to win it by smashing it up the middle. They went wide. They were clever moves too. Great passing. And, and you know, Stacey Fuller, you know, just 
you know, she was just absolutely magic. And, and obviously, Kendra Cox said, I, I know reasonably well, you know, because she played here for Canterbury for many years. And, you know, it was a great way for her to finish up, you know. And there, there was so much drama. The red card, Portia Woodman going off, one of our best players. You know, and as you say, the um, that, that finish, you know, it was... Um, just absolutely amazing, really. I mean, I, I know someone was up there and <laughs> very envious of the fact they got to that game. But, yeah, well done to the Black Ferns and Wayne Smith, you know. Mm. You know, he is a master coach, as you say, um, Mark, and he's just you know, he's just done so much for so many different rugby teams around the joint and just in this country, you know. Graham, one of the um, things I loved about watching that game last night, and you did touch on some of the key players, but those key players didn't try and win it themselves. They absolutely stuck to the game plan that they believed in. They trusted that game plan. They didn't go away from it from the 80 minutes. Not one player stepped out of line to try it one of themselves. They were very, very tight and collective. And when the reserve players came on, they knew once more what Wayne Smith installed them. They knew their job, what they had to do. They stayed in that system. So the discipline to do that during the course of a, a match that ebbed and flowed and had so many moments in it, is once more, I think, a, a big tick to the Black Ferns. But, gee, on the other side, England were good. England, as mm. what I said, it set the standard. I love the way I had to say that England stood like this white wall right across the field mm. at Eden Park and just staunch as some of them mm. with their arms crossed, some with a little bit mm. of fear in their eyes, most just absolutely up for the fight. And I thought, well done, England. You are here to play. But it also, Graham, does just demonstrate too that World Cups are very different to test series. It's all about a one-off. It's all about the occasion, which I think part of the reason I get frustrated when teams start planning for World Cups four years out because I'm not sure that it's necessarily realistic. I think that you can't necessarily cater for injury and you still can't always control it and you do get a hostile crowd, you do get a team that's on the up who might have been in the wilderness for three or four years and suddenly... They just get that momentum, and we saw that with the Splatferns team. Because to be honest, for the last 18 months, prior to maybe two months ago, they've actually been pretty damn awful, to be honest. Well, that's right, and what you're saying about World Cups is correct. Look at this team. You know, there was a, it was a debacle last year, played England and France, and um, maybe Ireland, but I know they lost England and France. And you think, you think to our first World Cup one in 87, you know, the year before there was... We'd lost Tess. Um, they'd been the Cavaliers tour. This whole idea that you've got to have, you know, like a training camp for four, for for four years, and um, it, you know, I just think it's just not the right way. And you, you know, Wayne Smith allows people to be themselves, and you know, that's why people like Ruby Tui and the Kendra Coxedges, you know, great personalities. But they got the game plan. They got to play it, but they also. They they express I know it gets used a lot to express themselves, but they actually do express themselves genuinely rather than mm. you know some forced thing. Yeah, you know, the whole yeah you can win World Cups after a year of disarray. There's just no question that you know that's just that was just proved to the, you know last night in, in Auckland. You know absolutely. Yeah, hey, look, Graham, thank you for your call. Appreciate it as always. Great way to kick the show off. 0800 150 is the number. Taking your calls as we celebrate the Black Ferns victory over a very good England team by 34 points to 31. It had it all. You're on the edge of your seat. The adrenaline rush, the disappointment, it was a metaphor for life, all incorporated in about 80 minutes. What I do say about the women's game is I love the way that we're not constantly resetting the scrum. I think it flows a lot more. Um, we don't tend to have um, 
as much arguing with referees. I think the players seem to get on with it a little bit more and there doesn't seem to be so much discussion in and around the contact, in and around the breakdown. Yeah, I think the other big point uh, watching the women's game, in particular the Black Ferns, uh, is we don't have a long kicking game. No, and, uh, and none of them do. And, and, well, England had a better kicking game yep. out, out of hand than we do. Yep. Therefore, they played territory. Therefore, they you know uh, dominated from that territory, the possession and the points. But because we didn't have a long kicking game and the odd little dink that we did, we tried to keep it in hand. We just, you know, it's a risk and a reward. Uh, so I think that's a big difference. And we look, we can't compare, and, and they are brilliant Two individual teams, the Black Ferns and the All Blacks. They, they are under the one identity, New Zealand Rugby Union, where strength in numbers will build together uh, as two, black te- uh, two All Black teams. But we are different teams, yeah. different traditions. Yeah. And, and look, and, and I think for the women's game going forward, it is about now the development of Canada. It's about the likes of Scotland and Ireland and those teams now lifting their game so that we're not from three teams. We end up getting to four. We end up getting to five. It's not there at the moment. But in 30 to 40 years, we might end up having eight or nine teams. It's taken time in the men's game for the likes of Argentina to suddenly become genuine contenders. It's taken a long time for Ireland, I think, to genuinely come in and be genuine contenders in the men's game. We saw Wales um, this morning get up and beat Argentina, it's been really a long time since they've become genuine contenders. So just let this evolve, just let this organically grow. And what was so pleasing about last week and this week, rugby did its talking. It wasn't a whole lot of people with agendas. It wasn't a whole lot of politicising. The game sold itself to the public and let the game continue to sell itself to the public. Take the politics out of it. Take the whole women's rights thing out of it. Let's just enjoy this. Let's just these athletes get on with it and enjoy playing rugby. I was, running, I was thinking about that in my bike ride this morning. What? How do we take advantage of... Well, that's the challenge. How do we take advantage of that? Here in New Zealand, we do have the framework, we have the platform to take advantage of it in the clubs, right? All the clubs, all the schools, they're ready, they can go, you sign up, you play, great coaching, uh, we'll get the resources, we've got some great mentors, we've got some great inspiration in the Black Ferns. Fine here, I think, in New Zealand, we really can take advantage of it. It really now goes, the onus goes to world rugby, and how can they put tournaments together? Can they put yep. tours together? Can we get more international yep. rugby? And we really need to take advantage of that now. So a lot of these girls are sevens exponents, right? How, how are we going to get them playing more 15s, if that's yep. the way the game wants to go, more international rugby? Because the more we play, the better the Canadians, the better the Americans, yep. the better the French, Correct. the better the Australians will become over time. If you don't have those games... Well, they're not going to develop. Yeah, yeah, but I'm hoping that what we saw last week and what we saw tonight will do what I think sevens at the Olympics has done for women's sevens. In 2016, realistically, there were two teams who only ever had a chance of winning that gold medal. Then we went to Tokyo five years later. Suddenly Fiji, who were not much in 2016, almost knocked us out in the semi-final. Then we had the likes of France. You know, we have Australia. Suddenly you had four or five teams contesting it over a five-year period. How many teams will contest the sevens in Paris in 224? You'd imagine one or two more will start to have lifted their game because of the resource put into it. You need to have that pinnacle event. You needed to have what we had last night to inspire a generation to create the demand at a grassroots level for these rugby unions to step up, to invest in it, for coaches to start taking it seriously and have that pathway. And I think... 
the best thing that could have been done was that semi-final last week and that final last night. Yeah, and now the World Rugby and New Zealand Rugby, because I know we've got the platform for the clubs, no question about that. We now have to put a schedule of matches for the Black Ferns for the next three or four years. So whoever the new coach is coming in has a job for a start, has some games to, to, to uh, focus on. Um, and, and a pathway for the players to go on. That has to happen yeah. pretty damn quickly. But at the moment, we should just celebrate last night's game, celebrate these players, the joy. And we've heard this so often from the coaching staff, Wayne Smith in particular, the joy that these ladies bring to our wonderful game. It's an amazing game, Wado. We love the game oh, of rugby. Oh, no, look, oh, oh, and oh, these oh, girls kind of yeah. just inspired us once more to love the game of football. Yeah, I've got to admit that there's been a part of me that for a while looked at sort of women's rugby and maybe questions its depth and really questioned its place, not so much sevens. But even recently I was involved with the New Zealand Defence Force and they had their Women's Rugby World Cup running alongside of this. And then as a commentator I got to call it and I got to go behind the scenes and it just changed my it just changed my perception completely. Um, and then clearly knowing that some of these players aren't quite good enough to get into the ferns made me then appreciate the quality of women's rugby players in this country. You, you mentioned something interesting around the seven side of it. We had that for a long time, didn't we, with where our sevens team became, was really just a whole lot of 15, 15 players, you know, players that predominantly played in the 15s coming together and forming a sevens team. Sevens has become very, very specialised. But because we perhaps still don't quite have the depth in the senior ranks of women's rugby, I think that is going to still be one of the challenges, isn't it, to have pure sevens players and pure fifteens players. But that's primarily where I think New Zealand women's rugby would like to get the game to. In the men's game, what you talk about when we had the Christian Colours, the Jonah Lomas, oh, those types of players, and they didn't have the lure of a gold medal. Correct. An Olympic gold medal is unique to sport. Yep. I mean, the great Colin Meads, the great Sean Fitzpatrick, the great Zinzanbrook, they do not have an Olympic gold medal in their stable. So the Sevens players have an opportunity to win an Olympic gold medal and to be called an Olympian, to be called an Olympic gold medalist, and that is there for life. So that is the real balancing act for the Porsche women's Sarah Hernies, those and, types and, of players. And, and a challenge, and a challenge going forward for New Zealand rugby. But can I just say that I do need to take a break, but keen to get your thoughts on 0800-150811. In fact, I'll come back with the point that I do want to make to continue the discussion. And this is a positive discussion. Please, we want you to jump on the phone and celebrate the performance of the Black Ferns. Just look, sport, it's got to be more than just it's got to be more than just the game. It's it's got to be an experience, and that was an experience last night. That was so much greater than the sum of its parts. That was a moment of nationalism. That brought the country together. For a period of time there, we pulled all our differences to one side, and we were bleeding black, weren't we? Jump on the phone, 0800 150 Text that's coming. Hi, Mark. Hi, Ian. Great win to the Black Ferns. Great to see them jump in a defensive line-out. I'm a little sick of New Zealand rugby football being criticised for their women's rugby strategy. New Zealand rugby have given the women's game $40 million in the last two years, so they're doing as much as they can based on how much money is actually allowed. And I think that's fair too. The game still does need to prove itself, and it still needs to prove itself beyond this World Cup commercially. But a really, really big statement made last night. 26 and a half minutes after one, 0800 150 811 is the number. It is 29 minutes away for two on this historic day. Well, the historic day was last night, but it is flowing over into this 24 hours. Congratulations to the Black Ferns getting up over England, 34 points to 31, ending the 
game winning streak by the mighty English, our sixth Women's World Cup. We did have Richard from the Waikato on the phone, but he's just dropped off. If you want to phone us back, Richard, 0800 150 is the number. So we won the World Cup, first women's, we won our first ever World Cup back in 1998, 2002, 2006, 2010, and then England won the Women's World Cup, and then 2017 we won it again, and now in 2021. So I'd imagine if you've got those little insignias on the sleeve of the number of World Cups you won, we might be just starting to run out of a little bit of room. Interesting, come only three nations in the history of the Women's World Cup. United States won the first ever one. England are the only other team outside of New Zealand who have won it. Yeah, the girls are going to have to go for long sleeves, aren't they? Uh, and the wonderful thing for those that haven't been, this is a sideline, the All Blacks experience, uh, Sky City has a wall, a legacy wall with a black sprig for every All Black and Black Fern victory over time. Uh, so a wonderful moment, and there's gold stars, uh, gold rings, sorry, to, uh, to signify a Rugby World Cup win. So one of the Black Ferns hopefully would have had the opportunity to go to All Blacks experience this morning, put in the black stud for another Black Ferns victory, the gold do, ring for the Rugby World Cup. Do they Cup have an asterisk back to 95, Camo? Do they have an asterisk back no, to 1995? No, they, they just not... have a green bloody sprig with uh, South Africa. They do. Uh, oh, they eight, do. Oh, 0800-150-811 is the number. Just talking about, you know, you know, there has been a danger in sport. Like we won a hockey gold medal in 1976 and hockey couldn't really capitalise on it. With that wonderful run of the All-Whites in 1981-82, which captured the imagination, couldn't quite do it. I was saying New Zealand football really still couldn't capitalise off the 2010 World Cup, the victory over Bahrain. We've talked about now the importance of maintaining this momentum. I would just love to see us invite England down here for three tests sometime in the middle of next year and keep it going. And England or France, I don't think it can be a lesser nation. I think it needs to be one of those. Bring England down here, make it happen. Yep, I'll make the point again. We can capitalise on this from a New Zealand point of view in terms of our club structure is ready for the women's to come. A lot of the clubs up and down this country are changing their change rooms around to make them woman-friendly. So cubicles, you know, uh, individual showers, et cetera, et cetera. Brilliant thing. So that avenue for young women to go into the game is there. So get along uh, next year. Fantastic to see those numbers grow. Then on the flip side of it, yep, New Zealand rugby, world rugby, and the other nations need to start putting together some schedule of matches so we know mm. as fans, the coaches and the players know uh, at that elite level, what their direction is for the next couple of years. And that's really important. That's how you capitalise. And then once more, you get the people along. Last night was, the rugby was a hook, right? But the, the occasion at, uh, at Eden Park was like a rock concert. We had new fans to our game, mm. uh, which was brilliant to have. So it's going to be a different crowd yeah. to an All Black game because yeah. the All Black game has got 100 plus yeah. years of tradition yeah. and we're blokes. We are different, no question. We all know that. But last night, it was an occasion. Yeah. And the other issue that I think New Zealand rugby need to address, world rugby need to address, because I still think it is a massive barrier in parents wanting their kids to play the game, and that is the concussion issue. It needs to be taken seriously. They need to not just show it's been taken seriously at the international level, but they need to make sure that they've got the infrastructure, that they've got the protocols in place right through the junior grades as well, which is not an easy thing to do because that requires a lot of resource. No, but I know from my own kids and my own personal experience, they are, they have got those protocols in place for junior rugby. You know, kid, one of my kids went down, whacked his head, 
uh, you know, we, we squirt some water. Uh, you're, you'll be right, mate. But no, the, the referees, the coaches put him on the sideline for three weeks and as a parent, they did everything absolutely right. World Rugby is doing their darndest. And we looked at the red card last night. They're trying their hardest, but what a, in a fluid game. And I'm, look, yeah. we don't want to get on the subject of red cards. It just it's a, breaks it's a, me. It's, it's a bit harsh sometimes. It breaks me what, what happened last night because it's a fluid game. There's different movements and bang. Is it really... Yeah, it just changes the outcome. But yeah, that's a separate matter. T- t- today is about celebrating a great game of football. Both England and the Black Ferns absolutely went in there with their game plan in mind. They stuck to it, uh, which takes some real discipline. But boy, that, that moment at the end, there's only one option for the Black Ferns. They had to contest that line-out. Statistics will tell you if England had got the ball from the line-out, it was going to be try, game over. England win the Rugby World Cup. But you still had to execute competing against the opposition line-out. You had to time your jump beautifully. When the England hooker threw the ball in, you had to get your hands in front of your opposition. That's what the Black Ferns did. The ball went our way. We secured it. We took it over the sideline. That, to me, uh, was absolutely the moment. Okay, some texts that have come in. Black Ferns were great. Definitely would have been runners-up without the red card. Once they find a number 10 who can control a game, they'll go to the next level. Bit harsh, but hey, you're entitled to have your opinion. Um, Someone talking about the rolling mall. It's off bloody side, so ban it. No one enjoyed watching it. You can still drive at the line, but have the ball at the front, not at the back. Then it's a contest. That comes from Dean. Yeah, oh, look, I have to. When I was watching it, look, I'm a type five, uh, well, and I actually it's do shepherd, like it's shepherding, though, isn't it? it? Well, it's, 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 it's legal shepherding. obstruction. Yeah, it right? is. There's, there's two players in front. The ball's at the back. You're all bound. You physically cannot get uh, to the ball. So yeah, I mean. Hey, it's, it's part of the rules of the game at the moment. England took advantage of the rules of the game. Uh, I did find well, it as a spectator because I was so, you know, so, pro the Black Ferns, frustrating, but we couldn't change it last well, night. Would you change it? Would you take it out? Yeah. I personally would because I think it contradicts so many other offsides, um, you know, running interference. There are so many other penalties that are rewarded for being offside or blocking particular tackles or getting in the way of runners. I wouldn't change it, Watto, because there are there are um, tools in place to contest the ball to stop it getting to a rolling ball. One, competing at the line-out. We did that and we turned it over. So disrupting the ball, absolutely. The second one, time your drive. So as soon as the ladies yeah, or the, the players hit the field, you can stop yeah. it. So there is tools in place in the game of rugby to stop but it you're, at source. You're in a very competitive market and you are, have got a public who perhaps haven't played the game at the highest level who are looking at this going, I don't think this is great television. Well, I think it is great television from my own uh, point of view because I am a rugby purist, yep. right? Absolutely. And it's one of the, play, play it's one of the quirks. Play a bit in your day, did you? Yeah, it's one of the quirks of our game of rugby. You don't want to soften up our game of rugby just because you, you think it has to become more well, we took rucky. We took the ruck out. I know. Well, you know, you <laughs> can still ruck in rugby. You just can't stomp. So that, that is still a, a, a tool that you can use and available to you. Uh, we don't see it a lot, uh, but you can still blow over the ball. Donald, good afternoon. Welcome. How you doing, mate? Are you right? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, question for Ian. Yep, far ahead, champ. Um, I enjoyed his younger days when he was playing for the All Blacks, but not so much when he played against Canterbury. But um, <laughs> but uh, does Ian think that it will be compulsory someday 
to wear headgear playing rugby? Yeah, good question. Uh, no, I don't. I think uh, players, uh, an individual needs, still needs individual choice. Uh, I don't know if the science, and, and people may correct me here, whether the science of headgear in terms of uh, what I'm assuming you're talking about is, is brain injury, whether there's an exact science that the headgear actually stops well, that. Well, it's, uh, a, it's the smaller little knocks that yeah, seem the, to be the, doing the, the damage. But cuts and knocks. I mean, and has, no, it, I think, has it made a big difference in American football? Probably not. Personally, I still think players need individual choice. Uh, um, and so I don't think it will be uh, compulsory. Do you think it may be? Uh, well, when I was playing, I played play for 25 years, and I tried it out because uh, we used to get knocked around a fair bit in our younger days and that, and, and I found the very uncomfortable, but mind you, the old style things, they were just about as heavy as a leather rugby ball, some of them. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, I found them very uncomfortable to play in. Hey, 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 Donald, how are you these days? You, you haven't had any sort of um, long-term effects, and now looking back, thinking, oh, perhaps it was my time in rugby. Well, I don't know. I'm blonde, <laughs> 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 so uh, you know there was what one stage there. I used to get blurry vision because I used to play halfback, and um, by halfway through the second half, sometimes I used to get blurry vision and then I used to come off and somebody else would take over. Mm. Mate, I hope they don't. I hope you're still allowed to have the individual choice so I don't see the compulsion for it, but who knows. Telephone number's 0800 150. You can text us here on 811. Anthony has texted and he says, Hi guys, you should be able to get in and mess up a rolling mall and be able to pull it down. Save the rolling mall. It's interesting, isn't it? It's set up by almost being offside, yet you're not allowed to come round to bring it down by being offside. Anyway. <laughs> I agree with you, champ. There are tools in place to, to stop the rolling more. I don't think it should change from our game. 18 and a half minutes away from 2 o'clock, 0800 150 15 minutes away from 2 o'clock after 2 o'clock here on the Rugby Run. We will preview tomorrow's all-black match against Scotland. Good to see Mark Talia will end up making his all-black debut. Some interesting selections. I said this last week and I still stick to my guns. I'm not a big one on change. I felt that a year out from a World Cup off the back of the victory against Wales, start the same team. Allow them a chance to see if they can mentally and physically play three games in three weeks as a dress rehearsal. However, it is still a very, very good team. Anton Leonard-Brown coming back in at centre. So we'll have Gordon Simpson on the programme. Gordon played 15 tests for Scotland um, played for North Harbour as well and played alongside a Ucamo. Yeah, he did. Badger uh, was his name. But why he was he to... called Badger? I don't know why he is called Badger. So, so, well, we might ask him, but we've got to make sure it's still a family show. There's yeah. a whole lot of reasons why people are called things, but, can't but I, but I do know Gordy also played against the All Blacks. So I really got to get this take. I always love asking Kiwis how they feel. I know you, you're loyal to who, who's paying your cheque or what team you're playing for, right? So he would have been Scottish through and through. But uh, when you're a Kiwi playing the All Blacks, how do you feel? You know, because you grow up wanting to be an All Black, now you've given an opportunity to play for another nation. I want to talk to him about Murray Field. I want to talk to him about those sheds. I want to talk to him. And this is the thing about Scotland. I know we touched on it last week, Why and we should touch it again today. The atmosphere of of Murray Field. You know how that how it's dark. They'll turn the lights out. I know for this particular game, they're going to uh, bring up my old mate uh, Doddy Weir. Dottie Wheel will be out there in his tartan suit. The emotions will be through the roof uh, because it's one of their greats, Dottie Weir. Um, the atmosphere will just be electric. The lights will go out. The piper will stand up on the, 
the main grandstand there, they'll flower Scotland, they'll be through the roof, and how the All Blacks respond to that. Absolutely take the crowd out of it, dominate the opening 15, 20 minutes, and then you're in with the game. If you don't, she's going to be a struggle. Yeah, Dottie Weird, of course, sadly suffering from motor neuron disease, but what a wonderful player, and boy, just such a wonderful name when it rolled off the tongue of the great Scottish commentator Bill McLaren, Doddy Weir, John Jeffrey, and Finlay Calder. Always remember those wonderful names. So we will do that after two o'clock. Keep your thoughts coming here on the program on double eight double eight double three is the text number. Telephone number is oh eight hundred one five zero eight double one. Hi, Dean. Emma, I just heard you say about this rotation policy that's slipping back in again. I don't, I don't get it. Like we're playing England, who are supposedly supposed to be quite good. Anton Leonard Brown needs to have some game time at thirteen because we've got a clear issue there. Everyone in the country can understand there's a problem. But playing him with Geordie surely made more sense when we're playing England next week. He's got to make a call. It's either Geordie Barrett or Dave Havili at twelve, and someone at thirteen. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I, I don't disagree. I think Rico Awani's a brilliant attacking player, but I think the combination of him and Caleb Clark are leaking too many points. And at some point, you've got to get stick with established combinations. Carmo? Yeah, well, this has been an eight-day turnaround. Uh, you have to give your whole squad, I think, an opportunity over there. You really do. I mean, this isn't a 15 that's going to win you the Rugby World Cup. It's not a 23. It's an absolute collective squad. So I, I do back and believe... Uh, what Foster and the selectors are going to do. Six-day turnaround to a really important match at Twickenham against the English to finish off the year uh, how we want to start the following year. So I think momentum is really important there. I do understand what you're talking about, Anton Leonard-Brown at 13. I mean, I, I do... I would love them to to stick with that contrast of 12 and 13, whether it's this, you know that, that big bopper like a Jordan Barrett, like a stepper, like Leonard Brown, rather than two kind of power players and Rico Ioane. Uh, and Jordy Barrett, but boy, you've got to give people the opportunities, you've got to keep pushing for these opportunities, and when you have competition in your team, you bring up the best in the players. Hey, thanks Dean, lovely to have you on the programme, do appreciate it too, great contribution. It is 11 minutes away from 2 o'clock, we'll take a break, we'll come back with more. The Rugby Run, Mark Watson alongside of me, the great man, the man they call Carmen, man who's doing an Ironman in about three weeks and looks like he's half asleep and he's about to crack because he's cooked himself, because that is the definition of the sport. Anyway, we'll take a break and come back and talk more. Gordon Simpson played 15 tests for Scotland, joining us on the programme. We will look at that all-black team. Again, keep your thoughts coming here on Double eight, double three. Just quickly, Ian, I did just mention there. Oh, we've got some texts that have come in, actually. Uh, Mark and Ian, uh, put my money on it that Geordie Rico will be the midfield against the English and moving forward to World Cup. Rico offers too much at 13, unmatched in New Zealand, and they don't break down. That comes from Ken. Yet there has been some durability in it. But how good was Rico Awani against the likes of Ireland, against teams that come up very flat, that come in your face, does he have that ability to make the key tackles? Very good, close to the line, but in open play, defensively, does he have the qualities? Carmo? Well, I think it's a, big sh- a good shout, actually. I'd probably agree with you. Um, Jordy and Rico will be our 12 and 13. Uh, Rico has the ability later on in the game to bounce out to, to 14, if that's they want to bring on a Leonard Brown or someone else as a contrast. Uh, Rico does have that ability to step, get on the outside and, and penetrate his bursting. I mean, it's a pretty monstrous big uh, midfield with those two guys yeah. and, and uh, ma- in there. And, and maybe the issue is, is there a place for Caleb Clark? Because Caleb Clark defensively, 
I think has been found out. Now he's a work in progress, but we are starting to run out of time. Caelan Clark is such a powerful athlete that he, he demands the attention of the opposition. And that's it. He draws defenders, Absolutely. doesn't he? Absolutely. And if you've got two defenders on one player... Numbers suggest you have an overlap yeah, somewhere. And, and don't forget, Jonah Lomu at times wasn't the best defensive player. And we saw the damage and carnage that he created, the aura, the myth that surrounded him. No difference to Michael Jones back in his day. Always remember him in an interview with Michael Liner. He said, when we played the All Blacks, we looked at the starting lineup and they had Grant Fox and Michael Jones. We knew we were probably going to lose. Your name wasn't mentioned, Carmo, but I did remind Michael Liner when I spoke to him about you. And he said, yes, sorry, Mark, I did forget about you as well. <laughs> Four minutes away from two o'clock. There you go, the flower of Scotland, Murrayfield, the 20th of November 2014, the All Black Scotland. God, you just get goosebumps listening to that, the fields of Athen Rye when it comes to Ireland, the Welsh National Anthem. And it is tomorrow morning, New Zealand time, that the All Blacks will take on Scotland. Never, ever lost a test to the Scottish. The All Black team, Ethan de Groot, Samasoni, Taki Aho, Nepo Laulala. Samuel Whitelock, Scott Barrett, Akirawani at six, Dalton Papalihi at seven, Adi Sevilla, arguably the best rugby player in the world, bar none at the moment, in the number eight jersey. The back line, Finlay Christie, Bowden Barrett, Caleb Clark, David Harvili, Anton Leonard-Brown, all-black debut, Mark, Mark Talia. Congratulations to him. And Geordie Barrett will start at fullback. Mark Watson, alongside of me, a man who played 79 tests for the All Blacks, as we bring you the final 25 minutes of the rugby run. Very special guest joining us on the programme, a man who grew up, played his rugby here in New Zealand, but would play for 15 tests for Scotland. His name is Gordon Simpson. Gordon, good afternoon. Welcome. Hi, Mark. Hi, Carmo. How are you? Good, Badger. Hey, hey, where did the name Badger come from, Gordon? I need to know. It, it, it is a family show, however. <laughs> it is a family show, though. Yeah, no, this is, this is pretty uh, pretty mild. Uh, first senior game uh, for North Shore against uh, Maharangi up, uh, up in uh, Walkworth. And, um, yeah, a couple of the boys just said that I was on the ground a lot trying to Badger for the ball a lot. And... Um, and uh, basically, it just came from there, really. And so they, I got on the bus, and they said, "George, you're like a badger out there." And I said, "They, they, they said that's what's going to be your new nickname." And I said, "No, no, no, don't call me that." And the rest is history, really. <laughs> <laughs> never say don't. Never say don't call me that. So, Gordy, yeah, tell exactly, us. Yeah, Gordy, tell us the path then from Rosemary College, North Shore Rugby Club, to actually playing. I know you went through Glasgow, but playing uh, representing Scotland. How did that come about? Uh, basically, um, I had a, a good friend's uh, dad who had sort of um, sort of spent a lot of time down in Targo and he had a rugby guy down there who was an agent. 
um, and just sort of asked the question one night when I was around at my mate's house. The father asked, you know, do you have any sort of history, any background as far as ancestry? And I said, oh, wouldn't have a clue, to be fair. And then, um, obviously, clearly uh, not listening to your parents when you're young. My mother had informed me many times uh, that I, uh, her father was Scottish. So I went back to uh, him and said, yeah, listen, my, my grandfather's Scottish. And um, he got hold of Jim Telfer, basically, in Scotland. Um, back in the uh, VHS days, I sent a video, a video over there. Uh, probably took about two weeks to get there. And, um, yeah, about, about, about three or four days after it arrived, Jim Telfer called me and said, yeah, listen, we'd like to get you over here and um, put you sort of on a part-time contract and see how you see how you develop and all goes well, then uh, we'd like obviously fully uh, uh, sign you up for sort of full-time Scotland contract. So tell us, so, you know, we yeah. we live here in New Zealand, we dream about playing for the All Blacks, a call-up to the All Blacks, a special one for every player and their families as well. I am sure is exactly the same for you in Scotland. Uh, how did that call go about? Yeah, well, listen, obviously um, growing up in the Greys back here in, in New Zealand, I sort of, you know, New Zealand secondary schools, New Zealand cults and um, and then, yeah, unfortunately, it was just a it was a big call back then. I guess uh, Laurie Mains had to make between Josh Cornfield and myself, and um, Josh got the nod. And sort of, and then yeah, it was sort of, um, you know, so I guess I was just looking at all options after that. Um, I could have stayed here and, and sort of continued with Harbour um, after I came back from Wellington and in, in, in end of '96. I played a year at Harbour in '97 and sort of could have continued here, but that's, that's when all the conversations around going to Scotland came about and. Um, yeah, I flew over there, and I think it was on my mum's birthday, February first, '98, and um, and then you yeah, got into the tour uh, Australia, and uh, I think it was June '98, uh, and um, sort of went from there. So yeah, obviously played a lot of games in Glasgow for uh, Glasgow Rugby, and um, yeah, and it's, it's sort of I mean obviously uh, a few injuries here and there, but um, played those, those test matches and, and ended up playing the All Blacks three times. Um, I think it was. Um, the first one was in Dunedin, Karasok, I'm, I'm going to say. Sorry, the first one was 99, the World Cup uh, quarterfinal, where I think Jonas scored about two tries against us in the first 10 minutes. But I think we, uh, we held, our, held our own in the last 60. Um, we, we, we won the last 60 minutes. So it was a hideous day, uh, 99. Um, we played that. And in 2000, we played over here. Uh, we got a bit of a thumping over here. And then I think uh, more autumn tests over in... Um, at Murrayfield, I think it was Richard McCall's second test match. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously I didn't play for the All Blacks, but I, got, I guess the next best thing is you get the chance to play against them. So yeah, that, was, um, that yeah, 99 that game badge at the Rugby World Cup was actually my last uh, for the for the All Blacks, pouring with rain at Murrayfield. But <laughs> let's, before we get on to tomorrow's game, let's paint from, yep. I've talked about it from the All Blacks' point of view, the uniqueness about Murrayfield, you know, when the lights go down, they roll out, a Scottish legend, the bagpipe will play Flower of Scotland up on the main stand. But from the Scottish players' point of view, from your point of view, playing at Murrayfield, paint the picture for us there. Yeah, well, it's it's, a, it's an incredible stadium. Um, I'm not sure if many people know it's actually heated. It's a heated stadium because obviously we uh, over there it, the the conditions can vary um, more on the worst side than the good side. So, um, and yeah, obviously uh, the history of Scotland, um, they're a very proud nation. I think everyone sort of um, is aware of that. Uh, maybe the rugby is not as sort of held in sort of a higher esteem as, as the football over there. 
Um, I, st- I still think, and I'll, I'll always think this, that the rugby team is more successful than the football team. Um, but, they're, yeah, they're pretty passionate about football over there. But, yeah, Murrayfield, you know, Princess Anne is obviously the patron saint and stuff like that. We got to meet her. My mother even got to meet her, which was was which was um, massive for me. Um, and just, yeah, just the history of Scotland. I mean, being able to personally play for my mother's father's team, you know, that was that was um, that was a, a massive thing for me. Um, and also, obviously, playing Test rugby, having the chance to walk out into that the Murrayfield Stadium um, with all the all the history, the proudness. That uh, I guess they always sort of say they always sort of bat they bat above their weight. And um, yeah, before we had obviously talk about tomorrow's game. Um, you know, I think I think this is going to be the best chance to do that. So, yeah, I mean, listen, massive stadium. I, I, there's no one I've sort of spoken to has ever had a bad experience there. Uh, Edinburgh is such a fantastic city, and um, and then to have that massive stadium in the middle of it uh, just just brings you know just brings sort of your hair standing up at the back of your neck. It's 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 a phenomenal feeling, and I was very fortunate to be able to have that chance to do that. So, Gordy, belief is a huge thing in sport, all sport, but certainly elite sport. Do you believe Scotland think they can beat the All Blacks? Yeah, I think I think you, you had a good point there, Camo. I think back in our day, especially with the Scottish guys around me, um, I guess with my mentality back here, you know, it's sort of it was all about winning and stuff like that. Um, back in my day, I think there were some Scottish guys that, that were, you know, when they played the big leagues, the South Africans, the Australians, New Zealanders, there was a lot of doubt there. And um, but I feel I feel with the Scotland team and, and and what Greg has done over the last few years, and I guess the experience that they've had now, they sort of, you know, I always think about the All Blacks trying, you know, playing the same fifteen regularly to get their combinations. Um, well, previously anyway, obviously been a bit different with the All Blacks the last few years, but um, I think Scotland being in a position now where they've, they've got they've had they've got a similar base of players that have been playing with each other quite a while, so. I would, I would definitely say that, that the belief is there, and I think they've got the experience, uh, and and under Gregor, um, the belief now that they, they they have got a chance to do this. Obviously, there's got to be a lot of things that have to go their way, um, and you know, I guess they get the rub of the green as well, uh, because obviously with that all back experience uh, game last week. Um, you know, they're sort of starting to... They see that they hit, hit the straps well last week, the All Blacks, but um, as we've known this year, there is some inconsistency issues with the All Blacks, um, and I think Scotland will ride on that. And, you know, if they get off to a good start, Scotland, um, yeah, I think the belief is there. And I think, you know, I think they've been playing good rugby over the last few years. Yes, they've had a couple of um, average performances, but overall, I think they've, they've measured up quite well against some, some big teams. What you, Gordon? So, so, what do you make of this All Black team? What do you make of the twenty-three that they're putting out on the park? I mean, we have been inconsistent. I'm still not sure the New Zealand rugby public are, public are convinced. Um, I mean, if you're Gregor Townsend, if you're coaching Scotland, what are you targeting? Oh, I think I think it is that sort of um, uh, inconsistency of the All Blacks. I think you really got to go from from minute one. You really got to attack the All Blacks and really put some real pressure on them. Um, yeah, I mean, listen. I think I think we've had some. I think we've had some um, issues at line at time. Um, so it's only I think he's been outstanding around the field, but I still think he's got some um, some throwing in um, sort of uh, frailties. Um, and you know, listen, we've got a couple of new guys coming in. Uh, Finley Christie, obviously, he's played a few tests, but he's a little bit inexperienced still. Um, Mark Lee is fantastic. He's making his debut, but I'm sure that the um, 
I know he's good at the high ball under uh, in, in New Zealand rugby, but I think uh, you put him in a test match scenario and he'll have, he'll have nerves. I think Scotland will really probably throw some balls up there. I think the weather's supposed to be okay in Scotland tomorrow uh, in Edinburgh. So, yeah, listen, I... I think I think you're right, Mark. When you talk about the New Zealand public and the inconsistencies, um, it's it's a doubt there. We know about it, and I think if Scotland are going to have any chance, they've really got to sort of um, challenge that and really target it and really put. I guess really put the orbits under pressure, and it's winning. That's holding the ball for Scotland. It's not giving it away. It's you know winning their set phase work. So they've got to, They've got to sort of nail all those, um, and then obviously put real pressure on the All Blacks. Badge, we'll get into the Scottish team soon, but you know better than anyone else about loose forward play and the domination, let's assume, the All Black Type 5 do what they have to do. A lot of talk between Dalton Papali'i, of course, taking over from Sam Kane. What do you think of his performance last Saturday against Wales and, and the game that he brings to the All Blacks? Yeah, I, I think he, I think it's... Um, he's an outstanding player. Uh, I think he's a different player. I think he's very much a ball in hand, attacking, running off the sort of side of the ruck kind of guy. Um, he makes him, he's a great defensive player. I think he, he really stands up there. Um, he, I think he complements Adi Savir real well. Um, I guess I guess the only thing maybe with Dalton is maybe um, um, getting the breakdown uh, in, a, in a sort of speedy sense. Um, he is a big guy. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, it's 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 a difficult one because I think that both these um, these loose four packs um, have, are, are going to cancel each other out. I think the Scotland back row too is is, is a, a real good one too. Um, so it'll be interesting this one. I mean, obviously it's hard for me to uh, to uh, knock. I'm not going to knock any of the sort of Zealand ones, especially Artie, because he's a Hurricanes boy, and like Mark said before, um, he is the best in the world at the moment. He's outstanding. So. Um, and it's hard to cancel someone like him out because he's always involved. He's always in the guts of it all. So um, back to Dalton, yeah, listen, I think he's outstanding. I still think he's got a bit to learn. Um, he's sort of waited patiently, I guess, with Sam Payne being in front of him. Um, but I, I think he brings a lot. I think he brings a lot of attacking now, especially to that uh, backs and especially that as a, as a link player. Um, but in saying that, I also thought last week's game against Wales was a very open game, so it probably suited his game really well. Um, if it's a tight game or the weather does kick in and stuff like that, that's, I guess, where you, you really want to see Dalton probably really getting stuck in and, and doing, I guess, doing the hard yards as opposed to the running off, the linking, and, and um, that, that, that form of sort of um, play. So, yeah, um, no, he's, he's definitely holding his own. He's, he's definitely uh, performing well and certainly deserves a spot there and, he has got a lot of um, years worth to go, so it's, it's, it'll be exciting to see how he develops. On the Scottish side, Badger, and we'll talk start of the backs, so and we don't need to spend that long uh, out there, but not originally part of this autumn uh, international. Is this Finn Russell, uh, the the number 10? Um, yep. What do you know about him? Why wasn't he selected? What's he going to bring? And uh, what type of character is he? Oh. Uh, I've only met Finn a couple of times, and he's he's a very confident young boy. Um, uh, probably a little bit out of the mould of the, your typical Scot, Scotsman. Um, he, uh, he he believes in his own ability, and he probably had a few little, um, um, uh, so I guess, mild discussions with with Gregor, uh, and they've they've obviously disagreed on some things. And um, but he brings a lot of experience. I think it, it speaks for itself what he's done previously in his, his, his sort of sixty odd tests with Scotland. Um, I think it's actually, I think it's a great thing that he's come back in here. I think he, he brings that experience. Um, he's certainly not going to be uh, taken back from, or you know, sort of on the back foot against All Blacks. He will, he will be 
on the front foot. He's that kind of player. He's got he he, he believes in his ability. He's very confident, and um, I guess I guess if he wants to shut everyone up and sort of say that he should he should have been here, regardless of what's on on off the field, um, you know if he puts his front foot forward and, and, and shows everyone. Um, Against the that said he should have been there. Then you know, then I guess everything everything else gets put to bed um, if they can sort of uh, get over the All Blacks. Okay, well, just very quickly to Richie Gray, I think big lock forward. Now, putting your Scottish yep. hat on, you're going for your yep. Scotland nation. How do they get the job done against the All Blacks? Yeah, well, I, I think I mentioned it before. Um, they need to they need to hang on to the ball. Um, they need to control. I guess they get control their own set phase. Um, I think, I think, like I said, I think holding the ball is real key for Scotland. I think there's been, especially when I was involved, we tended to kick it away a lot, um, possibly because we had some of our backs were, uh, and you know, I'm a big fan of backs, Carmo. Um, they, they were a little bit sort of, um, I guess, not up to the, not up to scratch of maybe some other uh, backs around the world. Um, i.e. the All Blacks, you know, Australia, South Africa. Um, but I think they've got, they've got a. Scotland have got back line now. Um, you know, um, Dylan Van der Meer, he's, he's an outstanding winger. Um, he loves to come in and find work. He loves to sort of um, look for work. Uh, pretty much, I guess, like the all-back wingers. Um, Stuart Hogg, I mean, he's played 90-odd tests. He's got experience. He's a fantastic player. I don't think a lot of people actually know how good he is probably over this side of the world. Um, but he's, he, and he, leads, he leads so well. Um, so I, I think as far as the whole team goes, the whole Scotland team, um, they need to, they need to get up. They need to get the crowd behind them. They need to you know win the set phase. They need to challenge the All Blacks. They need to obviously meet them in defence. I mean all those kind of you know the old cliches. Um, and they need to get the rub of the green. Um, I think this is the best chance, especially the way the All Blacks have had this season. Um, this might all come back and bite me, but um, I, I just keep going back to the inconsistency of the All Blacks. And if, if Scotland can put some real pressure on them and you know and sort of hold them, and so you know 50, 60 minutes into the game, uh, if it's still pretty tight, I think Scotland will really get up then and and believe they can do it. I mean, I th- I, I personally think this is the best chance for Scotland have had for years. Um, yeah, only because of the way the, the uh, All Blacks have yeah. been this year with the inconsistency. You know, they play one great game and then they'll have a shock at the next game. So, I'm sure they've talked about that the All Blacks, but I think Scotland will really will really target that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm like you. I'm a bit jittery on this one, Gordon Simpson. Hey, just listening to you and Carmo, it sounds to me like rugby would be a better game without the backs. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, to, to, to be fair, Mark, in Scotland, uh, 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 that's probably why I enjoyed it so much because the weather was uh, a massive factor over there. Um, you don't get the odd sunny, you don't get many sunny days over there. So it was a lot of 10 man rugby, and that's probably why I enjoyed it so much over there. So um, those poor wingers, some of those wingers we had back in the day, and the fullbacks, they would come off and they, they, didn't, look, they didn't look good at all. So. Um, yeah, um, listen, it's, I know it's a 15-man game or 23 or whatever they play these days game, but, um, yeah, obviously back then um, uh, with with the weather and stuff like that, especially in Scotland, it was it was definitely, a, there was a lot of 10-man games of rugby involved. Gordon Simpson, enjoy the fixture tomorrow morning. Lovely to have you on the programme. Greatly appreciated. Thank you. No, great talking to you guys. 19 minutes after two, this is the Rugby Run. Mark Watson, Ian Jones. Uh, got a time for a call if someone does want to phone through. Happy to take your text as well. We are canning down though. We have A-League football for you this afternoon. Daniel McCarty with the call. It is the Phoenix taking on the Western Sydney Wanderers. Or Western United, in fact, Western United. 
Right, Wellington Phoenix take on Western United. Daniel McCarty with that commentary. He'll pick this show up from 2.30 this afternoon. Just running through some other international results from overnight. Ireland too good for Fiji. Mind you, good Fiji in effort. 35 points to 17. So well done to Fiji. Uh, Wales bouncing back and beating Argentina 20 points to 13. Carmo, Argentina beating England last week. Only then to get pumped by a Welsh team. The All Blacks put 50 on. They beat us earlier in the year and then got demolished the following week. The challenge for them come Rugby World Cup time is consistency. Yeah, we always talk about emotion in sport, motto. And when you put together a historic victory like they did at Twickenham beating England, there's so much emotional energy goes into that fixture. It's really hard. And all teams, including the All Blacks, find it hard to follow up the next week. Now the big one, history making. Italy beating Australia 28 points to 27 Real pressure will now go on Dave Rennie. There's one criticism of Rennie, speaking to some Australian pundits during the week. It's the lack of consistency in selection, particularly at first 5-8. Yeah, it's funny though, in Australian rugby, this will be a blip. They won't talk about it so much in their papers over here. Unacceptable for New Zealand side, the All Blacks, because of the history that we have to lose to an Italy, to lose to a Scotland. You don't want to be part of an All Black side. Now, players like the Scotty, uh, Sammy Whitelock's captain, of course, Sadi Savia, they will not allow that to happen. No, you do not want to be part of history. You do not want to be remembered as that side, as you said, lost to Scotland, that side in 2017 that lost to Ireland in the United States. Just final out two, England getting up over Japan, 52 points to 13. Right, we are pretty much done and dusted, Carmo. Um, training's clearly going well for Ironman. You look a little bit toasted. I think you're going to go home in the fetal position. Yeah, I've had a big couple of weeks back to back, but we're three weeks out from Ironman New Zealand, 10th of December. So bring that on and I'll get that done and off to a new challenge. But good luck to the All Blacks. Congratulations to Mark Talia and his family as well. What an occasion for him preparing to play his first Test match at a magical ground in Murrayfield. All Black tight five, one to five, have to dominate for us to control this game. We do that, we get the job done easily. And once again, congratulations to the Black Ferns getting up and winning the Women's World Cup beating England 34 points to 31 in an absolute thriller, their sixth World Cup. It is A-League football up next. Daniel McCarty with the call. It is the Wellington Phoenix taking on Western United. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.